2: to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry! Scoot! Corey Perry! Well, able to take away from Solani. He's giving away to Solani
1: Hey everybody! Welcome. It's another episode of the Forever Mighty Podcast. It's Patrick and Eddie on the mics tonight. What's up, Ed? How's uh, cold ass Canada, my friend?
2: <sighs> Extra cold today. We got hit with the snowstorm, of course.
1: Oh, finally! So
2: uh, the commute home was was uh, fun. Oh, Fine, you,
1: did was your d- uh, your sled dogs make it back okay? They didn't have to you have to stop anywhere, and you guys are good. <laughs> Well, I, I was at work all day, and the snowstorm
2: hit where I live, and then it made its way all the way to where I work, just for my commute home.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I had snow the whole way. Nice. That was man. fun. No, it's just yeah. uh, we don't have any snow here in California during the winter. So, I mean, it's pretty normal pretty, You got pretty normal some of snow. it when
2: you came up to Toronto, right? You didn't get a lot of it. Actually, you
1: got pretty good weather. It was like we were in a, We were in, a, in, in Aurora, Ontario in Canada, so that did have snow yeah. for sure. Yeah, but then when you came into the city, I think it was like... It wasn't snowing, I'm, but it was I think snowing.
2: it was above right. zero. It was like at least five. It wasn't too bad. There were yeah. snow piles. You guys yeah. were playing in the snow in, in basically spring weather. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, well, what have we got? We got two games? Yeah, man, we got Nashville and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, some all-star news to talk about. Uh, some returning all-time fan favorites coming back to Anaheim tomorrow night when Dallas comes to town. So we got plenty to talk about here, man. Um, good and bad too. Good and bad, which I like, as better than bad and bad. We have good and bad. Yeah,
2: most most of this year has been bad and bad. Last year was bad and bad and bad and bad and bad. So was, yeah.
1: at least, well at least we've got some good this year. This isn't last this year. isn't too far off from being last year.
2: No, no, Ducks (laughs) haven't won consecutive games since November 1st, so it pretty much has been good and bad because the Ducks have either won a game and lost a game for for most of this stretch, or they haven't gone on a a big losing streak either. It's just been back-and-forth hockey. They win one, they lose one, they lose two, they win one. Like, it's just, that's kind of been the stretch that they've been on where they've been hovering around that three games under 500 mark for the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, it's... It's been a tough go. Um, I was I was pretty happy, though, honestly, looking at the way the Nashville game went, especially, you know, crazy good start into that first period. Ducks looked like they were rolling. And then I just kind of remembered that Nashville really hasn't been that good this year, right? Like, they just have not been yeah. this top-tier team. They can't get a save. They, that team could not catch a save.
2: I, gotta, I think it was before this game. I, I got to get your opinion on this because you put in the group chat – that you didn't like these lines. Was it for this game or was it for yeah, the Yeah, yeah.
1: No, I, I was not a fan of these lines going into this game. 100 percent right, man.
2: What what did you not like about these? Now I, barring the fact yes, Ricard Raquel was out with injury, Troy Terry's still out. But this that like honestly, that's I felt like that's as good as it gets for the Ducks at this I, point.
1: I was I was very hard pressed to be excited about Henrique playing wing with Ryan Getzloff. I mean, Henrique's never been a big finisher. Um, especially because Sprong has been put back in the lineup, which was nice, right? Um, Yeah. But then relying on Lundestrom at at 2C, I was just kind of like, I don't know if that's really going to be the best thing we could do here. Uh, But it turned out to be a really good thing for the Ducks, honestly. The lines lines did work out, but I was very confused by the lineup against Nashville.
2: I think the only other thing you can do in this case would have probably been to bump Shore into that Henrik spot and then... Lundström down to four C and Henrik at two C, but then at that point, why even have Lundström in the lineup, right? We've talked about this before. Yep. If you're gonna bring the kid up and play him four C between Nick Delorie and, and Carter Rowney, there, there's no point in having the kid up at all. So give him a shot between Silverberg, who's the Ducks' best player this year, and then just throw on there because it honestly felt like they just they needed a, <laughs> they needed a guy to put on that spot uh, on left wing. But I, I didn't hate him. Uh, it was the, the the healthiest the Ducks forward group has been in a while. And, you know, Henrik's been at, at Getzlaff's wing for a little bit here. Uh, earlier in the season, he got put there as well. And, and honestly, I was just kind of happy to see Daniel Sprong get first-line minutes again.
1: Yeah, it's it's been a long time coming. We, I remember we talked about this towards more the beginning of the season about, you know, how long is it going to be before we see Daniel Sprong come into the lineup? And we're like, ah, well, if the kids start playing bad, Maybe, I think we said something like 10, 15 games. I mean, yeah, it, took it took 41 a while. games for Daniel Sprong to
2: get Hale an opportunity. And he played pretty decent, too, in, in San Diego as well. Not, not great, but not bad. And uh, then it took an article talking about how he was frustrated, and then he got called up. About I think it was about five days after that article came out. Uh, and he this was his best game of the year. I think he's only played three or four games this year, so not uh, not a big sample <laughs> size to draw from. But he looked good. He had that uh, redirect on the rebound in front of the net, and then he picked up an assist in this game too. And that's what you want. I mean, you got to put Daniel Sprong in a position to succeed, and you got to play him with Brian Getzlaff or, or Adam Henrique if he's at center. I don't think playing him with Sam Steele or Isaac Lundström in this game would have been beneficial. you got to put him with the captain if you want him to succeed. There are certain players, and the Ducks have had many of these guys before, Pontus Aberg, among others where you need to put them with Ryan Getzlaff to succeed. That's just the case. Look at other teams you've done this. Look at uh, Chris Kunitz with Sidney Crosby or Brian Rust with Sidney Crosby. Early on, Jake Gensel with Sidney Crosby. And, and, and you see it across the league where, you know, Connor McDavid's playing with James Neal and Zach Kassian. Sometimes these guys just get thrown with Ryan Getzlaff. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But in, in this case, I think Daniel Sprong's
1: is the guy you need to have with Ryan Getzlaf, if Sprong's going to be in the lineup, and they keep talking about on social media, writers keep saying, you know, that the Ducks are talking about how they want Sprong to play. They wanted to work on both his defensive game as well as his offensive game. And it's, I don't think every guy needs to be a defensive forward. I just I don't, I'm not a huge you have fan of that notion, right? Like you I don't have not. a problem if Sprong just plays wing and, and rips pucks all day. Like that's what he's there for. Who else in the Ducks lineup is is not?
2: A, is a liability in their own end. Uh, you know, Zach of Silver is one of the best two-way guys in the game. We've already talked about Isaac Lindström being uh, kind of well beyond his years mm-hmm. in, in terms of his defensive responsibility and his defensive acumen and what he can do. Um, same kind of goes for, for Sam Steele and Andre Cash as well, being reliable players in their own end. And, and definitely Carter Rowney uh, is defensively responsible. I mean, you could argue – Maybe Maxim to a bit, but at least he engages physically and he's not a liability in his own end. So it's not like the Ducks have three or four of those guys in their lineup. Like, if you have one, you can get by with one. If you're playing him on the first line, you're essentially sheltering his minutes with Ryan Getzlaff. You're fine. You're fine. Because you've got Adam Henrique, you've got Ryan Getzlaff, who are going to be defensively responsible. It's okay to have that one guy. I mean, look, look at the Leafs. You and me were talking about uh, Austin Matthews before we started the podcast the Leafs have a, a system where they play one winger just high. And that's all he does. He just plays high up in the zone. And, and they just try and wear down teams and, and get these quick rushes and quick exits out of the zone to this high winger. And that, it's Mitch Marner, who's usually the guy who's there. Sometimes it's Austin Matthews, but most of the time it's Mitch Marner. And some teams just have that guy. And I'm not saying Daniel Sprong is Mitch Marner, but you have that guy. You have that guy who's his pure pure reason he's in the top six and in the lineup is to be that one
1: winger who his only focus is offense. Well, he and can wheel and he can shoot the puck. I mean that's and you get the guy you get yeah. the guy that you know, the feed breaking out of that zone um and with full speed. I mean you kind of want to play a guy like him that way and I think it's not a bad idea. And the Ducks have kind of utilized Andre Kosha that way, right? He'll play a little high and try to sneak a pass going into the neutral zone a lot too. Uh, and when you have a guy who can feed you like Ryan Getzloff can, I think that's important to have that type of player. I think you're totally right. Yeah, you need a couple of those guys, and I think Andre Cash is
2: more than responsible enough in his own end, but if you're going to use him in a certain way to kind of boast his offensive um, his offensive abilities, then I think that's a good thing for Cash, and we kind of saw that in the game against Columbus where Cash had got two goals and looked a little bit like his, own, his old self and was utilized more in an offensive role where he got placed on a line where he was going to succeed back with, with Sam Steele Uh, And Max Jones was given a little bit more offensive freedom, it felt like, in that game. So hopefully it's the start of of something for Andre Kasha where he gets going because he was a guy we expected to have a huge year this year, not just us. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I think it was Ian Tullock with The Athletic. I might be getting the person wrong here, but at the beginning of the year put out, the top potential breakout candidates for the upcoming season, and Andre Kasha was at the top
1: of his list. Well, dude, that line of Steele, Kasha, and Jones the last two games literally chewed up the competition and spit them out. They dominated five-on-five, dominated the shot share. I don't care if you look at the analytics or not. If you watch those last two games, every time those guys were on the ice and they had the puck, they were dangerous. They They didn't want anyone in the zone to do anything. Um, very dominant play by that line with Steele, Jones, and Kasha. And that's not to take anything away from the Getz offline, especially in the Nashville game. Uh, not as dominant against Columbus, but uh, but dude, those two lines looked very, very good. And obviously I was 100% wrong on my initial take on Henry playing wing with Getz because uh, they haven't looked bad the last two games. Hopefully this is something they don't switch up constantly if it goes cold for a game or two. They- mean, Anaheim is just two in a row. notorious for anytime something goes wrong, they go oh, I got to fix it. And just sometimes it takes time, you know what I mean? So yeah,
2: I think it was the exact same lineup two games in a row, right? Yeah, no, it, it was the they went with the same lineup two games in a row, close games. So and, and they looked better. I mean, they, they scored what nine goals over those? Or I guess eight technically because it was a five four shootout win over the the last two games. Mm-hmm. So not not too bad, and they looked decent. There, there are still some issues. I mean, you look at the uh, the Columbus game for sure. The, the the defense in front of Ryan Miller was not great. Uh, Josh Manson with a really weak
1: turnover led to Before you crush goal. him with that, let's talk about the Nashville game with Hampus and, and Manson. Right, they looked enough. good that game. They did yeah, look good that for, game.
2: They <laughs> have looked better since <laughs> since getting paired back together and the numbers kind of back that up. Uh, still some miscues by Manson in both games and, and that's been a trend for him all year, where the giveaways have kind of been at the forefront of his game, but uh, analytically, we're used to these guys doing well and, and, and playing well as is that shutdown top pairing unit where they get they play the hard minutes and, and they do well. So, hopefully, this is kind of the start of that because the Ducks need these guys to be at the top of their game and be back to what they were a couple of years ago. Because, you know, surprisingly, the pairing behind them and Fowler and Goodbranson has been one of the Ducks' better pairings. I don't know how. But it has been, and the other surprising pairing was the one we saw at the beginning of the season with Fowler and Del So Fowler this year just seems to be whoever he's with; it, it seems to be working for that duo. But uh, if the Ducks are going to be successful this year, that they need Lindholm and Manson to do well. Not Fowler and Goodbranson should not be your best pairing. They need to
1: have more games like the Nashville game. Uh, they played very well. They let in a goal uh, five on five, but I mean honestly. They were dominant for most of that game. Lynn Holm has looked a lot better in these past two games. Um, everyone has a bad shift. Manson still is a little shaky, though. I mean, he, we had a great game against Nashville for the most part, and then last night kind of had like a middling game. You're right. I mean, it's hard to hard to say where everyone feels about, where everyone is feeling about Josh Manson, right? We talked about that when we were talking about who they could trade and where they would want to trade and how strange it is to even talk about it considering how much we relied upon him in previous years. Um Getzloff's clutch, though, man. How about that against Nashville? Three assists, and then the uh, the shootout winner. I mean, yeah, him and Fowler both playing very, very well. Getzloff keeping up. I mean, Stevens said you're not going to get the 70 to 90 point guy, right? I think that was Stevens in one of his articles or tweets. Um, It's not happening anymore. But you don't need that, right? He he's a different kind of player now, and he's he's aged into where he's going to be the effective probably 50 point guy. No big deal. That's that's no, as long as he's getting 50 points out of getzloff at his age right now and where he's playing, that's a great season.
2: Yeah, and, and he's still reliable in the other facets of the game defensively. He's a reliable face-off guy. He's over 50% this year. So he's still getting it done in other areas of the game. And then intangibles, I know we we kind of hate these, but leadership ability and his presence on the ice and in the locker room, you, you can't you can't buy that. So he's still going to be an effective player, even if he's not putting up 60, 70 points. It's just the Ducks don't have anybody to replace that offense right now. So that you know, you're seeing them struggle because nobody else can do that. I do have to mention, I did make a mistake with the lineups for the Columbus game. Uh, Brett pointed it out. Comes I was actually scratched for the Columbus game. Cause Ricard Raquel came back from injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. I it took its spot uh, on the wing with Linda Sturm and Silverberg. So I had to, had to point that out there.
1: No, yeah, you were wrong there. But I mean, uh, that wasn't a bad line either. They didn't play too bad. Real, before we get to the game last night, Elliot Tiford reported on Monday. Very interesting. It got a lot of Ducks fans all like all perky here. But uh, Patrick Eves on the bench talking to Daryl Sutter during practice. Uh, Terry and Raquel were skating again with Sherwood. It's been eight, only eight games since Terry fractured the bone below his knee, and he's already skating in great. Yeah, three signs. weeks
2: in a 10-game, or it was supposed to be a 10-week prognosis for him to come back, and he's apparently been cleared cleared to play after three weeks. Now, a lot of people are chalking this up to, wow, it's a magical recovery. He's way ahead of schedule. This had to be misdiagnosed. (laughs) There is no way this guy's back in three weeks on a 10-week prognosis if they didn't misdiagnose this or, or kind of misread how bad the fracture was. Because there's no way you, you just heal seven weeks ahead of schedule.
1: It's, I can't It's see it. pretty, pretty insane. Maybe, no, I'm, maybe I'm the break doctor, wasn't as clean as they thought it was, yeah. or maybe it wasn't as bad as they thought it was. I don't know. I, can, I just can't
2: see it. Again, I'm not a doctor, so I'm probably fucking wrong, but I just it just does not seem plausible that – they got it completely right in terms of how long he was supposed to be out. You know, maybe it was more of a, a five to six week thing, and yeah, you know, he healed in three weeks, so that's still sooner than it, than you it, you know what was expected. But I can't see him being seven weeks ahead of schedule and being a hundred percent ready to play. So it had to be, you know, probably a, a little bit more of a minor fracture rather than anything.
1: Yeah, or maybe it's like a. bigger cracker I don't know, I don't know what you even call
2: it. Brett's saying it's the new magical healer from Toronto. He's finally paying dividends for bringing him in. Him. <laughs> was he, was he he's got a magic wand? He, he's, was he from Hogwarts? And is he sitting in the back he doesn't of the prevent dressing room? Injuries. He doesn't prevent injuries. He just gets Ducks players back faster than ever. Uh, before <laughs> we it. move on from the Nashville game, we can't move on without talking
1: about Gibby saving overtime. Oh, that is saving dude. The when I first saw the replay of it, I thought it was in. Like, when I first saw the save, actually, then I saw the replay, they did the overhead. I thought it was in. I'm like, they're going to call it back. They're going to call that back.
2: No, okay. I I thought you were going to bring up what a lot of people were saying. They're discrediting Gibby because it actually is Rocco Grimaldi who stops that puck from going in.
1: I mean, John Gibson
2: makes the initial unreal save. But then it hits Rocco Grimaldi's stick when he's pulling his stick back out of the oh, net. Oh, they really? <laughs> oh, come on! All right, fine. See, I thought you were gonna say that.
1: I no, I was... I'm not. I'm not against Gibby, dude. I hate goaltenders. It's an unreal save, no matter what. He's. I mean, that's that's about as athletic as it gets. And we all know Gibby can do that, and he's done it many times. So that was a game saver for sure. And then clutch, uh, get get clutch. Jesus
2: Christ. Getz is clutch <laughs> in the shootout winner. Uh, he scored, and who else scored in the shootout? Was it Kasha? I can't oh, man.
1: That. i have to go back and look. I know Getz got the winner. I don't remember the shootout. I'm not a huge fan of him.
2: Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, tuned, I think I tuned out in the shootout. I just kind of checked back and <laughs> saw who won.
1: I hate the shootout so much now. It's just not interesting anymore. Let's make a note here. Everyone's talking in, in chat about ketchup and whether they like it or not. Save that for our Patreon show. we got to discuss that with you and Jay. Don't bring it up anymore. We're not going to talk about what it's great for or what you hate it for, but we'll definitely talk because different Where things in Canada people from? use it for.
2: I saw ketchup, but it, did this start with a ketchup bottle, Salani? Yeah, it was
1: It was like someone like oh, like ketchup, you know, starting to score. So like uh, let's not talk about too much. We'll talk about it on a Patreon this weekend. <laughs> All right.
2: Uh, okay, good news, like you said, Terry back somehow. Raquel back, which is great. Uh who else? Derek Grant is, is nearing return. Corbinion Holzer Richie, was ready, but they just didn't play him, thank God. So everybody is back. Who else is this still out now, other than those guys? Is anybody else still on the IR other than Kessler and Eves?
1: I think uh, that's everybody. I think that's it.
2: I'm probably forgetting somebody obvious, but I'm pretty sure that speak, is everybody
1: speaking of team guys, apparently Andrew Cogliano is that guy in the room that everybody misses now that he got traded. Everyone loved that guy. Apparently, hilarious. Are
2: uh, you know, surprised? Uh, big,
1: big room guy. So you
2: knew he was. I mean, just you could kind of tell he was a room guy. I'm not super surprised that everybody loved him. Oh, Nick Richie, Nick Richie is out. Jimmy and uh, Shane brought that up. Thanks, dude. I feel bad getting Nick Richie because I'm usually a big supporter of Nick Richie, but apparently he's getting close to coming back. But this is the closest the Ducks have been to 100% healthy in a long time because pretty much everybody's back now except for Nick Ritchie and then the, the obvious two who are on the LTIR right now or should be on the LTIR. That's it, though.
1: Uh, That's not not terrible. Well, we're getting healthy.
2: Damn it. I'm for, This is how much I'm out of the loop. I keep forgetting. Jakob Silverberg is now injured. Hold on. We
1: were going to get to that. We were going to get to well, that. Well, I spoiled he's... it, so it's, it's too late. Let's he's get injured. to it then. Okay, yeah. Apparently, he took an elbow. Apparently, he took an elbow in the corner within like the first five minutes of him playing. That nobody saw,
2: or people saw, but there's no video. I looked.
1: I know. I looked on Twitter, too. Unless you want to go back
2: and watch the game. He got injured. He has an upper body injury. took an elbow, apparently, in the corner. Played just under five minutes in that game. Didn't return. No update from Dallas Aikens today. Uh, So, he could be day-to-day. could be week-to-week. He could be out for the rest of the season. Good. Playing the Stars tomorrow. Hopefully not. Because if he's out, there's no all-star game for, for Jakob Silberg, which would be supremely disappointing for him. Uh, and then the Ducks would have to send somebody else. Would not, which oh, is obviously oh, oh. not the big thing. It's going to be Cam Fowler. Is, it's going to be c The big thing for me is if he's hurt
1: long-term, the Ducks can't trade him at the deadline. Wait, can they I send can... Cam Fowler? The way the rosters are yeah. constructed now, can they send him? If they're going to have too many defensemen or too many forwards? No, know. You know, they can send him because
2: there's only, one, there's only one defenseman going right now. It's Drew Doughty. True. That's it. I don't know how they think it's gonna go because the is three up, they don't care anymore. Brett
1: says the player was falling and Sylvie kind of ran into his elbow. Not good. No. Uh, well, either, right.
2: either way, man, like hopefully he's okay. Yeah. Uh, because he's been the Ducks' best player, but I still think, and I got, I've been get flamed on this for Twitter, on Twitter, uh,
1: to say that the Ducks should trade him because the, his value is at the highest it is, in.
2: I mean, more so by – Anybody Penn, listen to Steph? our show?
1: The hundreds of people who listen to our podcast, they all know that. How come – you should be getting a lot of people hating you on it. But I think the majority of the truth is there's a lot of people who think like us, right? I mean, that's yeah. – trade these guys who aren't going to be listen, here. Listen, I, the I don't hate him. I don't want, Not trade at all. I
2: hate him. I want to trade him because he's worth a lot right now, and he won't – that's the highest his value is going to be. I got more hate, though, from Penns fans thinking that the Ducks could get Kalen Addison and a first for Silverberg and something else. Because the, the World Juniors apparently mean everything. Oh, please. Because Kalen Addison had nine points on a stacked Canadian power play on the World Juniors. He's all of a sudden worth the moon. And Jakob Silverberg on a pace for 30 goals at, at lockdown for the next five years is apparently worth nothing to Pens fans. So they can have fun with a Jeff Carter rental or something like that instead. Oh, like the Pens haven't been in the past used to getting rid of their top prospects. How many <laughs> prospects have they actually kept in the last ten years? Like Jake Gensel, is that it? And he wasn't even a top prospect. He just kind of came out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Gee, that's a that's a great point. I know Montreal's traded like all of their last eight.
2: Well, Pittsburgh's <laughs> like the they're like the perennial people, the perennial team to trade their first round pick and any of their top prospects. They barely ever keep any of them, and then they just get these guys from like random places, like John Marino. Is I don't really a know football that quarterback.
1: Is. Yeah, it's he's his son, defenseman. Stan Marino's kid. <laughs>
2: like he's a football. He's a he's a right shot defenseman for the New sure, Came out of nowhere and is actually playing like decent hockey. The Pens just find these guys in like dumpsters and in like beer leagues and bring them in, and all of a sudden they're just NHL players. It's awesome. And they can just trade away their prospects and picks because they'll just find
1: these guys wherever. Well, circling it back, I don't want to get too much into the Silverberg trade talk. Just cause yep. we've, we've more done of the that. story is Silverberg's hurt and I'm upset. You were very upset. <laughs>
2: yep. Let's so, talk
1: about Daniel Sprong.
2: Yeah. Because he's producing, didn't get any points in this game, but nonetheless he's producing. Should the ducks keep him in the top six? Do, and does he stay in the top six? Because he kind of like hit out after he got the goal and the assist be like, see, this is what you're missing. This is what I was talking about. I said, you play me in the top six. I'm going to put up points. And then he didn't didn't put any points up in the Columbus game. Okay, but,
0: but
1: let's look at that too. Getzloff and Henrique, uh, that line. I wa- I think they were, they did score, but it was Getzloff on a weird play, right? It, it, yeah, it, yeah. So shot from Del Zotto. Getzloff tipped it in front of the net. Right. So uh, that's they were mostly bottled up by by Seth Jones of and and uh Jones last. I had like a three minute and thirty seven second shift. In the third yeah. period, that guy never got off the ice. It felt yeah. like um, that guy's a beast. But they played against the, they played top minutes against that against the what one of the best defensive pairings in the league. And it's one game. I'm not worried about it. I, it. Now he continues to fall off this cliff of not being able to produce here in the next two three games. Then maybe you get rid of Sprong or you don't no, get rid of him, but you you slot him down or send him back. We'll see what happens. But uh, I think give him more than two games. It's, it's too small of a sample size to say he's not worthy of being up on the top six.
2: This was a disappointing loss though coming <sighs> off oh, coming man. off that, that win against the predators. Yeah. I like think the two jackets aren't bad. They're twenty one fifteen and eight. Who's but their goalie?
1: They're,
2: they're, yeah, the, the Sala was an all star, got hurt, and now they have Elvis Mer Merzlikens, yeah. a Yeah. Latvian goaltender. Who's not to be to his credit he hasn't been awful this year and is you know, five of his last or at least before he came into the game against Anaheim. Three of his last four starts have been very, very good. And he kind of got not lit up against San Jose because he still played pretty well. But he's he's been on a tear lately. So I got to give him some credit for that. And the Ducks peppered him with 40 shots. Yeah. And he made 37 saves. So he, he had a good performance. But you know, some of the, the efforts on the Columbus's goal, Columbus goals weren't that great. Like no. I mentioned, kind of grilled Josh Manson for on the Nathan Gerby goal, I believe it was. He just kind of threw it up the boards on a backhand soft pass. It hit a Columbus player's stick, and uh, went right to I think it was uh, Pierre Luke Dubois, who centered for Nathan Gerby, Who yep. Hampus Lindholm just somehow could not muscle a five foot three child from in front of the net. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: dude, my, my kids, my kids five 20th. foot, almost five foot one, so barely bigger than my daughter yeah. who's eleven.
2: And Gerby gets uh, gets the goal on that one, and then uh, I feel like I'm mixing up the goals here. I, and I think on uh, the the first Zach Wierenski goal, the Ducks had about three or four chances to clear the puck out, oh, they're just really soft efforts. That was one uh, of the
1: worst zone times that I'd seen in a. There was just uh, no urgency. Not in a while, but in that game for sure.
2: Yeah, no urgency to get the puck out, and and it ends up cycling around to Wierenski, who just blasts a puck by Ryan Miller nothing you can do there who was he already wiped
1: out on the play before he was already wiped yeah. out he had to try to push off on his right to get back to his left and just you know was already being wired to the top shelf
2: uh, on a team with a decent amount of weapons right now zach wierenski is the last guy you want to give the puck he's got seven goals in his last five games how is this guy? He's leading the Blue Jackets in goals as a defenseman. I he's got 15, which is just ridiculous. But yeah, this effort in this game defensively was kind of a mishap. A lot of things going wrong for the Ducks, but we're 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 kind of used to that this year, in terms of of just some very bad turnovers. We went the whole trend of the last podcast we did on Wednesday was how bad the Ducks were over the last four games. And in terms of turnovers, and we had that ugly 5-2 loss to the Las Vegas Golden Knights where four of the goals were just completely horrible turnovers. Like, just egregious turnovers. Like, that, it led to John Gibson just completely, I was going to say throwing his team under the bus, but not really just speaking the truth mm-hmm. on how bad the Ducks were in their effort in front of them. And it's not really getting better. Like, every game there's a few bad turnovers. And once they start leading to goals, like... you this this was supposed to be an area the Ducks were at least going to be decent in, and yeah. goal scoring
1: was supposed to be the issue. But like
2: with everybody back healthy now from the blue line, they're still having issues.
1: Yeah, they are. Uh, it's been it's been a strange season too, and they've done a really I want to say just a until recently um, with all the injuries, it's it's tough to mix guys up. Without Manson, it really hurt. Honestly, that was a, that was a real tough loss. Uh, when he was gone for 20 games. you're kind of cycling through guys who are playing in the AHL, being called up all the time. So maybe now with Manson back, um, Fowler and Goody have been good, which is crazy. So we'll see if, if, if Manson and Lindholm can return to, I don't know, 90% of what they were, 80% of what they were a few seasons ago, and then you got nothing to worry about. You have your, you have your top four, then you don't really have to worry about that bottom pair so much. If you talk about that all the time, it's hard yeah. to have a real strong third-pair defense. Um Anyway, unless you were Nashville from like three years ago, three years ago, four years ago. Yeah,
2: maybe we should have banked on Fowler and Gooley being a, a long term thing when we traded. It really uh, seemed like the end of last year, man.
1: Yeah, <laughs> when, when we
2: kind of kind of went and ran with that and hoped it'd be a thing, and it, it didn't turn out to to work too well this year. Gooley has not been not been good, hasn't looked NHL ready this year, and that's why he spent some time down in San Diego. Surprisingly enough, Cam Fowler still found success this year with Eric and Branson and Michael delzato And and we talked about that in the last show too. It, it's, it seems to be not so much who Cam Fowler is paired with, just the way he's been deployed this year, primarily in the offensive zone, which obviously is a huge testament to his success this year and just being allowed to kind of have the freedom to do whatever he wants offensively. And, and paired with two guys who have no problem just sitting back and watching them go in yeah. Delzato and, and, Del and Eric Branson. I, I believe the other uh, player he's been paired with the most this year after them is Brendan Gooley, but Brendan Gooley has been up and down. So it, it really, it really is, you know, it, I guess the narrative in the past was Fowler hasn't been successful because he's paired with shit defensemen like BX and Lovejoy and Boschman at times. Maybe it was wrong. Maybe it's just Brandy Carlisle just did not know how to get the best out of Cam Fowler. And Dallas Aikens' offensive, high-flying style just fits Cam Fowler's game. I mean, that, that seems like it's more truthful. I mean... the it, would you not expect a game where it's end-to-end and it's high-event hockey to fit Cam Fowler's style? That's that's the way you would kind of expect him to to excel in, right?
1: Kind of figured that's why they brought him and drafted him in the first place. They expected that kind of game out of Cam Fowler, right? I, I agree. And he's one, he's one of, if not the best skater on the Ducks. Uh, why not utilize that? It, it's very interesting. It's very interesting how things have changed for Cam Fowler, but yet the defensive side of the game hasn't gotten exponentially better under... Aikens as we thought it was going to after Randy Carlyle, it is better. Uh, goaltending behind them isn't is not that great. I think we're no, we're but, but Ryan Miller last him. night got hung out to dry. Right, he did. And and he, I, he, I think, he really did.
2: I think the thing to to say is the Ducks in terms of allowing quality shots and, and shot attempts against their defense is better this year, but the turnovers are still bad. Mm-hmm. The, the, that's something that really hasn't changed. But they're they're just organization in front of their goaltenders this year is better. But it's not great. It's just not infinitely better. But we, we talked about how their numbers defensively are a little bit better this year than they were last year. And it was just completely horrendous last year, uh, the effort they were putting in front of their goaltenders. And now it's almost just as bad because it's it's bad turnovers. And it's, it's a big – it's like seven games in a row now, if not more. But seven games after Christmas or six or seven games after Christmas now that it's been bad turnover, bad turnover. And they're leading to goals. That's That's the – the, the harsh thing about this is is they're directly leading to goals, if not multiple goals, in each of these games.
1: I mean, so what do you do to fix it? That, that's that's the that's the million dollar question, right? <laughs> you
2: don't have Branson <laughs> and Elzado as part of both part of your your top six defense, and and then Jakob Larson to some extent as well. I mean, not even to some I don't extent,
1: know, man. Not, not Larson's been not been good. He's Larson not been, has not and, been good.
2: Outside your top three, these are your options. You've got. Good Branson, Delzado, uh, Jacob, Larson, and Corbinian Holter. That's not good enough. Like that no. it's just not good enough. You you expect to maybe have one of those guys in in a good defensive setup. You no, know, I think Lindholm, Manson, and Fowler can be part of, of a really good six six guy six man back end. But when the other three of them are, are guys who are te- technically borderline NHL players, and, and you know, I, I don't want to get on Good Branson too much because I have been wrong. And Goodbranson's been a really good partner so far for Cam Fowler, but he's not—he's not a top four guy, and and Delzotto definitely isn't. And Jakob Larson right now is a borderline NHLer, and so is Cabrini and Holzer. Like you can't have success on the
1: back end with that many fringe players. Well, let me ask you life. this: uh, Shane brings up something in chat. He says, "Is the increase in shots a good trend or just a fluke right now? How do you how do you feel about that?" The the increase in shots for the Ducks. Yes. Ah oh, man, I, I
2: it's it's hard to tell. I'd have to look at their shots over the last few games. But I I know they put up a forty spot in the last two. I think right they had forty against uh, Columbus. They had what was it forty seven against Nashville. And let's just go back one more game here to see twenty eight against Arizona. I, I personally think – I don't want to say it's a, it's a trend. Yeah, a good trend. I, I'm, I'm kind of in – it's a fluke right now because it's two games, not big enough sample size. The Predators this year are the 27th-ranked defense in the entire league. So you kind of expect – they've been allowing shots like crazy this year. They've been sewering uh, uh, Pekka Rene and UC Saros this year and the amount of shots they've allowed. So that's kind of a given. Maybe you could argue the Columbus game is a bit better because Columbus, I think, has like the fifth or sixth ranked defense this year. So putting up 40 shots on them uh, is something to kind of to, to kind of look to and say that you know, that maybe might be a you know trending in the right direction. But I, I'm, I, it's not enough for me to say the Ducks are starting to put more shots on net. It's a trend that they're playing better. Now we could see them go out against uh, the Stars on Thursday. So tomorrow and put up 25 shots and then that throws that question completely completely under the water
1: well let's let's look at last season right now i'm looking at just from october 1st through january 8th how many shots they generated um and let's just not even look at that let's just look at scoring chances generated so scoring chances that the Ducks between what had. now and and when so, looking at last season first, 2018-2019, October 1st to January 8th, the Ducks ranked 26th in the NHL with 849 scoring chances for and 1,049 against. Now, if you look at this season, so they were 26th, now we look at this season, and what is this season? Well, that's a 5-on-5, five five Tim. I'm up doing the power play stuff. 5-on-5 five five makes that's more fine. sense when looking at this. Yeah. Scoring chances for this season, the Ducks are 15th. 905 chances. So, doing 50. better this year. Scoring chances, that's a lot. Yeah, it's better it's not infinitely better and they it's, it's less than a thousand 929 chances against rather than a thousand forty nine. For it's
2: basically game. but if you break it down like this it's basically one more scoring chance per game a little bit more than that Yep. it's not it's not significant that much better it's slightly better and and again how many of those are high danger scoring chances right how if that's a, a, well, you're a getting into minutiae there
1: thing. though, right? You're getting into the into the ambiguity yeah, of the Yeah, But that's
2: that. that's where you would want to to look and say if the high danger scoring chances are, are a lot more, so then the ducks are, are doing things a little bit better there. And and I'd have to think it it's probably around the same. It's probably a, a nominal increase from last year. Three hundred and
1: seventy nine this year for thirteenth best in the that's NHL. That's surprising.
2: Thirteenth best. Very surprising. They
1: can't, they can't finish. <laughs> but they're that's shooting. The uh, they're, I mean, they're shooting at under eight percent. They're. I mean, they're shooting at seven point seven two percent right now. Oh, a league minute. average is nine percent, is it not? Eight or nine percent. So, yeah. I mean, some of the best teams, Capital, are shooting at almost ten percent. Same with Tampa, but that's expected. Yeah. So yeah, it's close, <laughs> but it's it's definitely not where the Ducks want to be, right? I mean, we need to see some significant movement in in goal scoring. If they if they start scoring goals. And it's the dumbest, most cliche thing to ever say. I sound like Jim Fox, if but you, you're going to win games. Goals, they're going to win games. Yeah, yeah, and they and they yeah. haven't found a way to do that. That's been the biggest problem <laughs> for the last two seasons. That's they really can't insane. find goal scoring. They just they can't do it. They're relying on these kids right now, and, and people are getting very impatient. Like I saw a thing on Twitter that people are like, "Oh hell no, I don't want them to tank. I want them to, uh, you know, find their identity this year and and turn things around." It's like, do you really think that's going to happen? One,
2: it's a it's a decade of winning. And and now, some people getting their first taste of losing, and and that's not, know, uh, that's not a slight against any fans. It's, it's difficult. It, it is. Yes. It, it's really difficult to go from a decade of winning, albeit still disappointment, not winning Stanley Cup, but to go from that and deep runs in the playoffs and, and you know Pacific Division titles. Uh, and multiple Pacific Division titles in a row, and then to go to you know, bottom of the league, bottom of the Western Conference for now, you know, second straight season, it's tough. And I, I can get it. I completely, I completely sympathize with some people just not wanting that and, and not being, you know, on board with that. Especially when you don't, kind of, you don't subscribe yourself to to what goes on behind the scenes and how this could benefit the Ducks, and you, you don't really have that want to to kind of go that deep in, into the storyline and into and, and the development of, of which, you know, the direction the Ducks are going in. You know, not everybody wants to get, no, not everybody wants to start a Ducks podcast and talk about the Ducks 24-7 and get really deep into the issues, <laughs> right? Some it, It's true, though. Some people true. casually want to follow the team, which yep. is, there's nothing wrong with that. And, and losing is a bit harder than I thought you were going to get to the insanity the part of it of
1: last it. season where we did post-game shows almost every yeah. game last year, and it was like, what do we do? We're on a 10-game losing streak. What do we do? <laughs> I,
2: mean, I try and black some of that out because that was just ridiculous last year. But uh, they were hey, 20, let's get to a 20, question.
1: Yeah, 23rd in high-danger scoring chances last year at the same time. So,
2: okay. So they're better, bit better. Better this year. Just not scoring. <laughs> uh, Northcott22 in our chat. We kind of talked about this before, but he said – if Gibby was playing the same
1: level as last year, would be a we would we be a playoff team right now? Ooh, that's a good question. So, how much would Gibby be moving the needle? Let's say he added. Let's say Gibby added. Wins, yeah, let's say he added like five board. wins. We're basically talking about
2: war right now, are yeah. we not? Yeah, we are. We wins are. Yeah. So I think he has four or five wins. Anything more than that is like elite level. Um, you know, kind
1: of impact. Where, where'd you Only go? Did you go to, to Evolving Wild to look at that right now?
2: I'm not actually going and looking at war. I mean, it would be interesting to see what Gibby's war was last year before the fall off, right? Yes. Uh, around the January February mark. Um, But, man, I, I just – I playoff team is a stretch. Like what is what is 8 to 10 more points do for the Ducks right now?
1: Um, Probably puts put some, them in the spot. Let's say you give them 10 points. It puts them at uh, 49 points. So the audio it, puts them, it puts them just outside the playoffs. Forty-nine points, <laughs> yeah. just outside. So,
2: 40, yeah. So they're what they would be two points out of a playoff spot um, behind Calgary, with games in hand, and one point behind Vancouver. So it, it makes them a borderline playoff team for sure. And then you think of that consistency down the stretch, the fact that some of these teams are bound to go on a losing streak at some point. Calgary, Vancouver, Edmonton, right? So there's definitely, it puts them in the discussion if John Gibson is playing at the same level he was last year. Does it make them a good playoff team? No, but it does, I think, make them, uh, it makes them,
1: you know, a candidate for the playoffs if you want to say that. Yeah, but and you know what though? I mean, we've talked about it too, but I mean, that's a good question what, uh, what Northcott22 asked. And, you know, my honest feeling on it, I know it's yours too. I kind of, I'm not rooting for the, my team to lose. Like we said last year, we don't like watching losses. But, I mean, dude, if they make the playoffs, what's it going to do besides bring the owners an extra couple bucks? Like, it's really not going to help the team. I, I think they need to significantly change the the roster, and they need to get picks and prospects. They need to bring in some high-end talent. And they got what they hope is that in Trevor Ziegris and uh, Braden Tracy we hope is going to become that. We still have hopes for... Uh, Come, toi and Steele and Jones and Terry too. Top five pick this year too. <clears throat> yeah, we're Hopefully. really they really got to start rebuilding this roster from the ground up. Um, a decade of winning, you can't complain about that. You just got at some I, point you have to understand that the losses are going to happen.
2: Yeah, I, I got yelled at on Twitter by uh, a Ducks fan who uh, <laughs> felt that the Ducks losing has no benefit, long term or, or short term. Because fans not coming to Honda Center is financially bad, and the owners won't let that happen. So that means they're not going to trade players, and they're not going to try to be bad,
1: that's, as it was that's, put. That's to say that <laughs> the ownership is stupid and doesn't understand that they need picks and prospects. That's also to say that the Ducks are, are doing well in attendance right now, which they're not no they're not doing amazing and in order to to get the attendance you need to have a winning product sure but i mean the things go stale right i mean that happens and the guys get older and and get out of their prime what are you going to do just rely on the you know on this aging you're going to keep silverberg to bring a two hundred more people to the game. It's like, come on. <laughs> and you know what? It'd be great if they could figure out a way to keep Sylv and and bring in another player without having to give up him. But I mean he's our best asset right now. He's not injury yep. prone. Unfortunately he took a weird hit last night. Um Andre Kasha, you take out his concussions, I would say he's probably our best asset, but with the injury proneness of Kasha uh and his inability this season to score like he had last season, he was shooting at three percent before he put in the pucks the past couple of games. Um, I mean, it's tough to not look at Silverberg and say that yeah, that's our guy. We got to move, right? You, you got to move him. You got to make room for the kids if you're going to hold on to them as well. Ah oh,
2: man, I, I wish I knew what article it was. It was, I think it was Sportsnet. I can't remember. It was. It came out today. It was looking at like the 27 top like trade targets for this for the trade deadline and silverberg or not silverberg andre cash was only duck on it he was like 15, uh, 15th on that list and and they got a quote from an uh an nhl executive that talked about how you know he's the, the basically said he's injury prone uh and and it seems like the fit with the coach hasn't been there this year but there's still value there and i i I would agree with the first part. I don't know yet if I agree with the second part. That no, the I don't agree there
1: with, the with the second coach part. Yet cause no, because was he a better been, fit with
2: Carlisle? <laughs> well, I just don't think he's been in there enough this year to, to kind of get that consistency in his game. And then and, and obviously he scores two the other night. So let's let's kind of break down Andre a But it, it's been um, – Tough year for him injury wise, and, and you know, he hasn't consistently been in the lineup for a long enough time to really fully assess his season and his play. But he's got 16 points in 37 games, only five goals. Two of those came last night, or the other day, I guess, last night now against the uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, can Andre Casha finally turn the corner here? Like, can he, can he get to 15 or 20 this year if he goes on a run here?
1: Um. I think he can. I don't see why not. He's got the skills, they haven't gone away. But uh he just really hasn't been the same guy. He hasn't looked the same uh at all this season. You don't see him as being this explosive finisher uh, that we all expected to have, like we already said, it's you know, to have this windfall of goals. It just hasn't happened for him. And um it's shooting luck too. I mean, you don't shoot at three percent, right, your whole career when you're Andre Kaja It's gonna get yeah. better for him. Five goals on a hundred shots pretty That's tough, tough go and how That's many games tough... has he played in
2: 37 37 which is surprising eh? he's played in 37 games this year felt and he's, like he's and been he's shooting five percent yeah played in 30 games last year too it, it's been a been a tough go how 100-0. many shots on
1: goal did he have last year
2: uh it, it won't show me i'm wow. looking at the sportsnet app uh it, it was up there though he was he was shooting at a high volume last year before he got injured yeah, it, uh, in terms of shots per sixty, he was up there with some of the top guys in the league, like Gallagher. And I think he was only second to Gallagher in shots per sixty last year.
1: I mean, why don't I mean, why don't you think it's possible for him to put up? Let's say he puts up thirty points in the second half. I think that's possible for him.
2: Oof, man, that's almost a point per game. Thirty that's, points in the second
1: uh, half. I, I don't see
2: why not. I really don't see why not. I mean, I could I could see it. Uh, I'd be more apt to say ten goals, ten assists. You know, so so twenty points second 20, half 20, 20 to twenty five points I'd be more comfortable saying that. I think thirty is tough because the way Andre Kasha puts up points it's usually primarily goals yeah so you're you're looking at fifteen goals in the second half maybe fifteen to twenty goals in the second half that's a that's that's that's, that's some high hopes. second half for anybody no right? that's very true so, uh, I mean I would love to I would love to see him get back on track I, I just don't know. Uh, If we're going to see it, let's let's get into some of the other stuff we have here because we're going to run out of time before we even get into the rest of it. Um, Eric Stevens put out his grades, mid-season grades for the Ducks. Uh, Let's kind of go over his rankings and and see if we agree with it. You guys can chime in in the chat too. Let's let's go
1: pretty quick then. Let's just go like thumbs up, thumbs down on some of these or you say agree, disagree or what you would give here. We won't go in, in deep on everybody. Yeah, players
2: here listed in alphabetical order. Maxim Comtois got a C, and Comtois right now nine points, four goals in twenty-six games.
1: Uh, I'm pretty disappointed in the kid, but he's also a kid, so I think so I think a C. Thumbs C- up, minus. thumb down, and and what yeah, what grade you're going to give? Him. C, so C-, C minus, you think? Yeah, uh, you yeah. can't you can't be too
2: hard on him. Uh, I I'll go ci minus. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think nine and twenty-six is bad across a whole season. It's round. It's close to 30. It's not terrible. It, it's a little bit less than you, you kind of expected this year, but I think C- minus is fair. I think anything above a C uh, is a bit tough. Uh, next up, Michael Delzato. He gave him a B- minus slash C+. Eight yeah, points for Delzato in 29 games. Only, and he's a plus two. It, it hasn't been... Horrible for
1: Del I, I want to say that I have to agree with Stevens here. I mean, I know that Fowler is a big deal uh, when it comes to this ranking for Delzato. but dude, it, it's it's nice to see uh, not a boat anchor with Fowler and Fowler able to thrive. So I think I could go with the, I could agree with Stevens here. C plus.
2: Yeah, I I think C plus. I, I like C plus better than B minus. I'm not ready to put him in that B territory no. yet. Um, this one is interesting. He gave Nick Deloria a B and uh, Nick DeLore has 5 points in 31 games. I think it all depends on how much you value fighting. Nick Deloria has the most fights anybody in the league with 9 this year. Uh that depends on how much you value that, but a B. Give him a B. I don't have
1: a problem with Nick Deloria. I haven't seen him really but a B be
2: off for 5 him. points and one I, goal. I don't think
1: it's just points though. Like you look the way he's evaluating these guys. He he's evaluating everything about him and you know, he he said the big part of it is the way that the, his teammates view him in the locker room, and the way he's able to protect guys and keep guys honest, and that's a real thing in the NHL, man. It is as much as we shit on it; it's a real thing. Um, Look, I, I would put him as I would put him at a C. myself. I put him at no. a C. I don't think I put him at a B. I give him a C. I,
2: I, a B, no, a, do it. a B is doing. Cam Fowler an A. I'm with, I'm on board with this. I'd go A plus. I feel like it's too much. A or A minus for me. I think he definitely he's above a B plus. He's A or A minus for me. Ah man. Yeah, the way his game has changed. I would go with A minus. And I'm not saying like A minus across the entire league. Like just grades for this team. For this, this year. team. Yeah, it's we're not, not raking him off, against like, last year. Kids for Winsky or like uh, that. Right. Yeah.
1: We're talking about Cam Fowler's bar he set the past few seasons of where he's at. Yeah. Uh Ryan Getzlaff, B plus. I would agree, man. And it was this yeah. article, yeah. He did, you know, he's not a seventy to ninety point guy anymore.
2: Eleven yeah. goals and thirty points for Ryan Getzlaff. That's a great first game. Last year, Getzlaff had forty-eight and sixty-seven. Had 11, had fourteen goals last year. So Getzlaff on pace this year for sixty points on, across an entire season. Obviously, he missed a couple of games. Sixty points and twenty-two goals if he was to play across an entire season. That w- that would be his best season since. 2017, 2018, where he had 11 goals and 61 points, and his best would, goal total since 2014, 2015.
1: I would probably give him an A, honestly. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have A to.
2: minus. I'd give him an A minus. I think.
1: Yeah, I would go A on this one. I, I like Getzy. um He's definitely not as defensively stout as he used to be. He slowed down a bit, so it's tough to keep up with the younger centers for sure. But uh, he hasn't looked out of place. Um, the team thrives behind him when he produces. Obviously, he's still clutch. I have to go with an A on this one, man. Yeah, I, I, I can't. There was is isn't too
2: much wrong with Ryan Getzloff's game this year. He's taken a step forward, which is hard to ask for at 34, right? So it, it has been an impressive step forward for uh, for Ryan Getzloff. This next one, I think, is going to cause some contention. Uh, John Gibson, yes. a B and a B minus.
1: I got to give Gibby a C, C plus max on this one.
2: Yeah. He has to. not been helped out uh, in front of him.
1: No. But some of this a bit
2: is on him. And and I, I would, Goaltending around I would go around the league's not been great, man. Let's be honest. I don't like, think B minus is a stretch. C plus I think I would C, C, go C plus. B minus or C plus. Yeah. I don't think too. C yeah, plus. I, I I can't uh I can't give him a B. I think that's a bit too far. He has been Last year it was an A plus.
1: So exactly, if you're
2: gonna compare it to last year, then it's a it's a B minus or a C. Plus. I wish
1: Jason was here. I'd love to hear his take on this, man. I would love. Oh, no, he, 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 he would gets, just no, rip me through hating on minus. goaltenders. I know. Uh, Derek Grant an A minus. Dude, I'd have to look at the other side of the puck from him. I know he 53. scored him there.
2: percent on the faceoffs. He's only logging about thirteen fifty two per game. I would have to again, like you said, look at like kind of the analytics behind what he's doing here. I don't think they're great. Uh, I think A minus is a bit high. I would give him a B plus just on the goals. He's got nine goals, so, like he deserves a B plus for that. But uh, oh, he has, hasn't played a- in a minus. few
1: weeks, so I got to give him a I got to give him a C. I know I, he's. In I, can't, a I can't. I can't give go. him a higher rating than Ryan Getzlaff. I, I, to... I give him. A... <laughs> I give him. you
2: gonna give him? I give him like a, uh, a B, a B. B, B or B plus.
1: I, I got to go B minus with uh, with Derek Grant b
2: minus uh eric goodbranson
1: a b you
2: know what i'm on dude, board with it
1: i i was just gonna say the same thing i can't find enough mistakes that i've seen from him in order to shit all over this one i got to go with a and b. he's
2: got seven points in 32 games which is like which is more than he's ever put up
1: dude and, and like, he got spit in terms of pace wise in his mouth um you gotta yeah. give him some credit he's for a plus two
2: he's a plus <laughs> two which i'm plus minus is dumb but he's a plus two He's he's that, been solid, uh, man.
1: He hasn't been terrible as much as we I would venture
2: just... to give him a B plus.
1: No, B's good. Don't don't be getting crazy and give him a B plus, dude. <laughs> Brandon Gouley, C minus. I'm I'm more disappointed in Gouley, man. I have to go D plus on this one. I know it's not far from a C minus, but D, D plus I was very disappointed um when he played up. Uh, with the club, I expect I had a lot of high expectation for this kid after last season, seeing him skate with Cam Fowler, being one of the fastest players in the AHL. Thought it'd be a great brand of hockey to play him, um, and, a lim- and like shelter shelter Cami and Gooley right? Give them yeah. uh, the not difficult matchup to light guys up. It didn't work out the way it is. This is just this season in my take. I, I got to go DD plus.
2: No, nope, fair enough. Uh, I would. I. W- I think C minus. I, I. agree with that a bit. Um, eighteen games isn't enough for me to to drop him down to D. Um, I feel like if he played a few more games, he might have been able to redeem himself. So I, I'll agree with the C minus. What this this eighteen games he played weren't that great. So I'll give him the C minus for that. Uh, Adam Henrique. With a B, Henrik has 14 goals, 10 assists, 24 points in 43 games, uh, playing over a full season uh, better than last year, on pace for 28 goals. I go B+. Plus. Uh, he's that. been great. 28 goals and 48 points. It'd be close to a career-high season He's great. for Adam Henrique. So, yeah, I'd give him a B B+. And anytime you're on pace for a career-high year uh, and you're scoring at the rate Henrique is, I'll give him a B+. Plus. I think he deserves it. Um, he's right up there with what, what Ryan Getzloff has done and taking a step forward.
1: Mm-hmm. Holzer, uh, Holzer
2: time.
1: a C I will give him a big D plus yeah I have to go with D also man uh, I I would go with D he's been very shaky every time he's on the ice no explanation either Holzer no. has not been that good
2: and he's been paired with the Ake-Blaar since. We so you, that go, you gotta
1: get going a little faster because we have yeah. a quite a few players left
2: Max Jones <laughs> a C uh, 6 points over 32 games I am going to give Max Jones a C minus
1: i'm gonna stay with a c um i know that i'm partial to this guy i think he's a good player um he's been utilized in different areas of the game he's played physical he's always hounding the puck and uh dude i it's hard to give him anything lower than what stevens already did i think c's a solid one just uh not the same as last year i would have given him a c plus uh
2: b minus last year and uh the uh, off the puck hasn't been as good as it was last year so i i give him a I give him a C minus. Uh, Andre Kachal give a C minus a D plus. D plus. I'm with Stevens. I there. would have to. I would have to agree with him because it just has not been a good year for Andre Kachal offensively. We we he's there for scoring goals and maybe it is horrible shooting like like uh, like Eric Stevens has said here, but man, you you just can't justify anything higher than that right now. Jacob uh, Larson, your boy, D-plus, your favorite player on the team, uh, man. I would venture to give him a D minus, verging on an F. Wow. Wow. I was really Disappointed in this he year. He has he's not, not been good, been good. in any aspect good. of the game. He has not been good this year. Um, I yeah, I would I would argue he has been the the worst dog this year. I, <laughs> I thought you were going to give him an F plus.
1: I, I was always my favorite when people got an F plus in school. It's like <laughs> you failed, but almost not.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's just been mistakes and the, you know, the offense was never there, but it's not there at all, and and you know, just not not been a great season for miller larson i think d plus is generous for him
1: all right well, we got next uh
2: Lindholm, Lindholm, b minus I... a
1: plus we gotta go a plus with lindy here oh, <laughs> on,
2: but like to be fair Lindholm does have 17 points this year which is which is on pace on across a full season a career high for him um so i'll i mean i'll take it the goals aren't there which I'm, is given, disappointing,
1: I'm, given, but... I'm giving i'm giving Hampy a b
2: um, I'll, I'll stick with the B minus. I think there are some things I haven't liked this year, but I still think he's he's generally been pretty good for the Ducks. Uh, let's skip to Manson. Um, yeah, Manson. We got Manson, and the only other one we'll cover, or I guess, we've, well, let's just say we, we know a Silverberg's, an yeah. Silverberg's an A plus. Silverberg's an A plus. We know that. Uh, Rowney, I don't care. Richie, not played enough games. So Manson gave a D. I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Wholeheartedly agree with that. I think Manson deserves a D, maybe a D minus.
1: Yeah, I got to go D minus, man. I am very, very unimpressed with this game. I know he um, had, a, had a knee injury this year; he was out for 20, uh, 20 games, but uh, just not been the same guy since his thirty was a thirty seven point season two years ago. Yep. Even Stevens says it in his article; he hasn't been the same, man. And I agree. This is a spot on um, analysis from Stevens. I love, I love the fact he writes to the Athletic, gets to do stuff like yeah,
2: this. Yeah, he's he's been pretty close on all of these. I mean, Ricardo Kelly, he a B minus. I agree with that. I think he's been good. He's better than last year, but not better than two, not really even close to two years ago. So I, I think B minus is fair for them. I don't think he's a C. So I, I think th- B minus is fair.
1: What about Miller? Miller's a curious one. I mean, he's got a sub 900 save percentage, but I don't think it's all his fault. <laughs> I no, think the he, Ducks have he's just a, played awful. Yeah,
2: he's, he gets the second of back to backs a lot, too, as well. So uh it, it's a bit tough uh last one of the players two of the players I want to get to sam Steele c minus troy terry c i would flip that i would give sam Steele actually a c plus and troy terry a c minus i i've liked Me sam Steele better than troy terry this year i don't know too. how troy terry i, gets. Agree with I don't you know that. how troy terry gets a higher rating than sam Steele at all i, get I, don't, I don't get it i'm with you on but, that man Sam Steele has a, like a 54 percent faceoff percentage this year, which is surprising for a guy who I thought at one point wasn't going to be a center in the NHL. So that just on that basis, I think uh, I'm a bit more surprised in in Sam Steele. Well, he uh, also grades la- the coaching here real quick, and so that's wow. the last one I wanted to get into was coaching. He gave okay. Dallas Aikens
1: a B. This I would year. agree with that, except we never really got into the uh, the offside goal challenge uh, from the Columbus game.
2: It's so hard to judge the coach <laughs> of the shipment because I, I the know. team is so bad, and I generally like Dallas Aiken's style. So I would I would have to agree. I just I can't judge it that well this year. Like you know what, you know what I'm saying. Like the the special teams have been all over the place. It's gotten better, and we know bad goaltending is a reason the Ducks are so bad this year in terms of where they're positioned. We think they could be a better team if they had. Somewhat of the goaltending they had last year, goal scoring is still an issue, but that's not really Dallas Aikens' fault. No, like he has, he's gotten the best out of the Ducks' best players that that were looking to improve last year. Like if we look at Fowler, Silverberg, Raquel, Getzlaff, they all needed to take steps forward for what they did last year, and they are. He's getting the best out of the Ducks' best players, right? He, yeah, like, and
1: he's not getting. They're not getting saves like they were last year. And on top of that, it's, you got to look at roster construction. You got to look at Bob Murray um, and what the players he's bringing in, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, it's not all Aiken's fault. I think
2: Aiken's done a good job with what he's had. Okay, last two th- unless you have something like got two things to end the show with here. Yeah. No, go ahead. Let's uh, bring them. Let's do it. Okay. We had somebody had asked earlier, all star jerseys. Oh. Yes Jesus or no. Jesus Christ. Shirt. Now dude. I somebody brought I hated it, but somebody brought something up to me that made me not I still hate. Shut that, up. No, I don't care to if it's a appreciate, music note. Stop. To no, to appreciate the design oh, that God. the five lines are like the whatever they're called on like you know, like a music sheet.
1: Uh, it's bad, the, the, the,
2: the, I, I, it still looks ugly but there is some creativity behind the reasoning of it I but they're guess, still ugly, sure. and like the color the color design i would they would look better with black and white like last year the logos instead of like this weird like where's the all-star game this year st louis st louis yeah. that's why they. Have, that's why they have the the music note thing it looks stupid um I don't like them, but they're, they're... it was, was kind of split. I think I think it was probably – I'd have to go and count the responses to our post, but I think it was like 60-40 in terms of people who didn't like it and liked it. I, I could be way off uh, on those numbers. Dude, I don't get it. I saw some people who said they actually liked them. I don't that's, get it either, that's they bad. did. They're bad. Um, I wanted to talk about the Connor McDavid goal on Morgan Riley because it was just disgusting, oh, of but Of course we'll see you got to bring that, that up.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll bring it save up that time.
2: for Pucks and Brews or ranch Show or something. Um, so the last thing I, I want to get to is I have four scenarios.
1: I guess eight, but in, okay. in blocks of four. Oh, we didn't talk about Corey Perry and Andrew Cogliano getting their uh, tributes tomorrow.
2: We'll, we'll talk about that because we have to talk about the upcoming games. Okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll briefly talk about that. Uh, but first, I'm going to give you four. Oh, Jesus. Are we four betting four airline tickets on this? Scenarios. No, no, we're not betting anything. I just want to <laughs> know what you think is more likely. <laughs> And it's all duck scenarios here. Okay. Uh, you haven't seen these because I put them in a different section I here.
1: have not seen them.
2: So, first one, what is more likely? The Ducks finish with more than 85 points this year, Ooh. or they win the draft lottery. So, right now, just so you have kind of a reference. They're at
1: 39 points.
2: The Ducks are on pace for... I think if you don't count the last two games and just take it from the halfway mark of the season, they're on
1: pace for
2: 74 points. So
1: I think it's better off. They're most likely going to get the highest odds to get the top draft pick for sure.
2: Well, they're not going to be higher than Detroit. Um, Why is – why are they – oh, pick odds. Here we go. So their odds right now to get the number one overall pick are 8.5%. Do you think they have a better than 8.5% chance to have more than 85 points this year?
1: I think they're going to be the second worst team in the NHL when it's all said and done.
2: So do you think they have a 13.5% chance to get 85 points this year, more than 85 points?
1: They're not going to hit 85 points. They have a better chance to win the draft lottery.
2: All right. You're, yeah. Well, our listeners, Ricky and, and Brett both said the same thing. Yeah. Uh, oh, did they? I, I, would, I would agree with you. 85 Perfect. points yeah. is a stretch for That's the Ducks this year. Uh, second one Silverberg scores 30, or the Ducks have more than 320 goal scores by the end of the season.
1: Oh, Sylvie scores 30. You insane?
2: I, I mean, you don't think Adam Henrique, who's at 14 already, could hit 20, and you don't think. Somebody else could, you know, Ricard Raquel could get hot or get slashed. I hope they both
1: happen, but it's not happening. Sylvie's going to hit 30 before we have 320 goal scores, dude. You're putting a lot of faith in these guys.
2: Think of that. Silverbrook has to get real hot here and stay healthy. Uh,
1: I know, I know. But I, I love this team and I love every player on this team as much as everybody else. But I just don't see 320 goal scores on this team. I don't oh, see two.
2: The, the chat is, is on par with you again. I am actually leaning the other way here because I don't think Silverberg hits.
1: Don't you have a 30. bet with Brett on this? Of course you're not going to bet that. I don't think Silverberg
2: hits 30, so that's 120 goal score. I think Henry gets to 20, and I think Getslaff gets to 20. Mm, gets you to 20 would be a More, dream, more likely than, than Silverberg hitting 30. Interesting. Uh, here, here's a next year one. Trevor Zegers scores 50-plus points next year, or Daniel Sprong is on the opening day roster. That's a tough one.
1: Well, because I would rather it be Zegris but I think Sprong. No, in the but what's day more roster. likely? That's the question. What's more likely, likely? Sprong is on the opening day roster. You think so? Yes.
2: All yes. right. Well, and I'll it's in Daniel Sprong's court now. Let's see how he does for the rest of this the
1: trial. He gets um, fifty points is a lot to ask from a rookie, but he's it is. really, really good. He's really, really good. I know.
2: I think it's more likely, as much as I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it's more likely that Trevor Ziegler scores fifty plus points because I don't think Daniel Sprong is on the opening day roster next year. I think he is. Uh, last one and said this season question.
1: Oh Andre wait a minute! Wait Cash- wait 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 wait! Can I retract that? I'm going to flip that. I was on the. I'm, I'm going with Ziegler hitting fifty points.
2: What changed your mind?
1: Um, because the way this team is moving around roster players and Sprong can't really hang right now when people. Um, are healthy. So when everyone's healthy, I don't see Sprong having a roster spot and potentially not playing next season with the Ducks. Yeah. Isn't his contract over this summer? It is. He's an RFA. Yeah, I don't think he's coming back.
2: Okay, last one. And then I, I forgot we still have fan questions too. <laughs> we only have two. But last last question for this what's more likely segment we have here. Andre kasha scores 20 goals this year or Derek Grant scores 20 goals this year? Which is more likely? So Derek how many does Grant has have? Grant has nine. Derek and Grant Kasha has nine, what, five. Hurt. Derek Grant, uh, Kasha has five, and there is <laughs> there are thirty. Is there a third option?
1: No one's. Neither one of them. No, it's what's more likely? What's yes, more likely? Likely, neither one Kasha. of them. Are likely, Kasha more than than Grant. Of course. You think it's more likely Kasha gets
2: fifteen in the next thirty nine games than Derek Grant getting eleven in the next thirty nine games? Absolutely. All right. I think. I mean, I'm on board with that too. <laughs>
1: but chat went against me I just brought our chat up. It's uh, Chell yeah, Grant and, and Grant. Yeah, they're saying Grant and Grant.
2: Um, okay, fan questions. We have two. We have to get to them because it's a shame if we miss them. Do it. Uh, what do we got Instagram. We had last time I checked one. Still had one. Maverick underscore eighty seven. Any big moves in the off season?
1: Oh boy, big moves this off season. Um, trades, or,
2: trades or free agency signing. Shoot, that's a really good question. I don't see. I say no. I I, I see. I some... say no in free agency. Maybe a trade. I see a trade. If, if, the tra- if, if there's see... no if there's no trade at the deadline,
1: I see a trade in the offseason. There's a draft. Okay, Bobby's gonna do something at at uh, at both. He's gonna trade somebody at the deadline, and he's gonna trade somebody at the draft. That's where he's gonna pick up his. His, he does a lot of draft trading, right? More so doing anything at the deadline. The team's not competitive. Who is he going to bring in? He might just be selling at the deadline, which would be smart. Um, I do see Jacob Silverberg being moved uh, at the at the uh, trade deadline. I do see that. I could definitely see that. I, it should happen. Um, I, I, I don't think there's
2: any big moves made, but I, I feel like if there's a trade – uh, or if anything is more likely for a big move it's a trade rather than a free agency the ducks aren't going to go big in free agency they would likely be selling assets for draft picks at the draft rather than going and trying to get a big splash in free agency which which they should be doing they shouldn't be making any sort of splash in free agency this year because um, there aren't some enticing names like tyson Berry and guys that could actually help this ducks team in terms of positional need but you shouldn't be going out and getting Tyson Berry and what it would cost you to get Tyson Berry right. or Alex Trangelo or whoever else.
1: Now, if this was the uh, expansion draft here, it would be very, very mm-hmm. interesting. It'd but
2: be, it would be. Yeah, it'd we're, all, we're getting close. I can't handle another one right now, so we'll wait. <laughs> uh, Duncan is our last question from Twitter. Uh, he, he said, uh, can you honestly say that Troy Terry has been better than Daniel Sprong? Specifically looking at the body of work, both of them have put out so far. Do you think Daniel or Troy is better?
1: Oh, boy. That's a really Troy good Terry, question. Troy Terry,
2: eight points in 33 games. Daniel Sprong's only obviously played three. But over the 50 games that Daniel Sprong has played, he has 15 goals and 21 points. Over Troy Terry's 65 games in the last two seasons, he has seven goals and 21 points. I think, potential wise, I know Sprong is still young. Same amount of points,
1: more I, games for, for, for Troy Terry. Though I, I think Terry's the better player in the long run. I just that's just my feeling on it.
2: One thing I think might surprise you: they are both the exact same age, twenty-two yeah, years.
1: I knew that Sprung was young too. He's not some yeah. aged veteran.
2: That and maybe it's because he's also losing his hair, a la Mark Messier or Ryan Getzlaf. Yeah. So it kind of makes him look a little bit older than uh, than Troy Terry. But, uh, man, honestly, to answer that question, I think Daniel Sprong has been better than Troy Terry. He has been better, tenure. but I think
1: long term you're gonna I think Terry will be the better player.
2: Maybe, yeah, uh, I, I think right now Sprong over their ten years with this team, Sprong has been better. Um, I've never been as high on Troy Terry as others have been. I think he has the potential to be better than long term, but everybody forgets that Daniel Sprong was the second round pick. And is produced at every level. I mean, he's torn up the AHL when he's been there. It's not like he hasn't produced in in the NHL, right? Like he he had uh, 19 points and 14 goals last year, and the, the three games he's played this year he has a goal and assist. Like he he's still he's still been productive. I, I would say now and into the next two or three years, I think Daniel Sprung is a better player if he gets a shot in the NHL. Yeah. Um. Mm. All right, wrapping up the show here. We'll be back on Sunday. Uh, the Ducks play Dallas tomorrow, so Cogs and Perry get their uh, what is it? Their celebration, their honoring, their video. Yeah, per
1: Perry's wish, he wanted to be honored despite not playing. So
2: yeah, suspended <laughs> but
1: still getting the honor, which is nice. Which no, is nice for sure. to see.
2: Uh, and then the Ducks take on the Blackhawks on Saturday. Your predictions: Do the Ducks win one, two, or none of these games?
1: Oh, they're gonna—they're gonna. I hope they—I hope they do. But I uh, beat the stars tomorrow. I don't think they will. The stars are a really good team. Um, I think they beat the wheels off of Chicago on Saturday, though. Uh, I don't think they beat the wheels off of them. I think they. Do. I think that, I think they're gonna come I think out and they... crush that stupid ass team. I hate Chicago as much as almost as much as I hate the Islanders.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I would I would say stars. I don't want to say no chance, but it's a tough game. That Dallas has kind of been on a roll lately. They've got two of the best goaltenders in the league right now. Um, just, man, Chicago was an interesting one because they're both bad. For the tank, you hope the loss. For just the brutal beatdowns we've had from Chicago in the playoffs in the past, you hope the W. Right. That's that's kind of what you're hoping for. And like I said, Sunday we'll be back with another episode, and we have an interview. That night, that will release hopefully on Monday with Scott Wheeler from The Athletic. We'll be talking Trevor Zegres and Lucas Dostel at the World Juniors. Uh, Jakob Silverberg and his trade value, some of the Ducks' prospects. We'll talk about the 2020 draft and if the Ducks can find another piece to add to this rebuild, among other things. So we had Scott Wheeler on, I think, after the draft last year. And that was one of our one of our favorite interviews to have him on. So oh, yeah. it'd be nice to have him back on on the show. And uh, I, I think well, depending on how long that goes, we might just release that as a kind of a bonus episode all to you guys. If it's like over a half an hour, if that we'll kind of just throw it into the next podcast. But I presume kind of think of it right now that it's going to be a bonus episode that just kind of gets released in between episodes. That's likely what we're going to do with it.
1: Oh, sounds good. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Uh, if you want to hear bonus episodes from us and you haven't already checked out our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash Uh Plenty of things that we, we give back to those who support us. So check it out there. We release two bonus shows a month. Uh, they're fun and uh, we get to drink one of them. So it's even better. Pucks and Brews is a great show. We do a rant show, which we're going to be discussing um, whatever topics that piss each other off or that uh, you, the fans, want to listen to, we'll be doing that one here within the next week. So stay tuned for that or check it out if you haven't already at Patreon. And um, there's, I think Jay and I are planning a watch party. I'm not sure 100% what day it's going to be, but I think it's going to be early February. So be on the lookout for that on Twitter, and uh, we'll be talking to you guys soon.
2: All right, take care, guys.